Hi, I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans. Vietnola is our window into our Vietnamese community in New Orleans and a bridge to Vietnam. We're a member of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola, chương trình pháp hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam in New Orleans. Vietnola là một cánh cửa để nhìn vào cộng đồng ở New Orleans và một cảnh nối với quê hương. Vietnola là một số trình diễn trong chương trình pháp hành podcast itsneworleans.com. Today on the show, we'll have a conversation with Susan Pfefferly, a native New Orleanian freelance writer, film producer, and avid traveler. Susan's work has appeared in such publications as Where Yat Magazine, New Orleans Living, Louisiana Cooking, Sugar Journal, and Travel Host New Orleans. In 2012, Suzanne wrote and produced a documentary called Vietnamese Food in New Orleans, which was aired on PBS. She recently published a companion piece in print by the same name and has come here today to talk about the book and her experience with Vietnamese cuisine. Suzanne, thank you so much for coming and welcome. Thank you. I really enjoyed the format of your book. Uh, I liked the mix of the history anecdotes um, and anecdotes from active community members and in the Vietnamese and the non-Vietnamese community, including local celebrity chef John Bash. Um, and I especially enjoyed the fact that you put in recipes there. Can you can we back up a little bit and can you share with us what the impetus for this subject matter was? How did you get to the point you are of uh, for our listeners? You're Caucasian, <laughs> and your your last name sounds very much not Vietnamese. So share with us how German. you got there. Yes, my last name is um, German. It means a little pepper. I think I said that on one of the shows. Um, but anyways, I guess to go all the way back, um, this began when I was working on the West Bank at a publishing company. And um, we were within a mile of Tan Din, um, Fatal Bay, and a couple of other Vietnamese restaurants. And so my lunch break, I would, I would go to these places. And um, that was sort of my introduction to the cuisine. Um, what year was this? This was maybe 2008, 2009, okay. um, around there. Um, and in the beginning, I would try very basic dishes, just pho, um, fresh summer rolls, and that sort of thing. And... Um, share food with friends and so wasn't really um as adventurous with the cuisine as I am now you know about trying new foods um it was really my trip to Vietnam which was November 2010 um and I went with um two friends from high school two girlfriends um one was living in New Zealand and moving back to New Orleans and traveling throughout Asia another one had been teaching in Hanoi and um, had been in Vietnam for about a year, and so we all met in Saigon and traveled from Saigon to um, Dalat and then Muine mm -hmm. on the coast. And I, I'm probably not saying it right, but um, so that was when I really got into the cuisine and was just trying all sorts of different foods, even if I wasn't really sure about what it was. It looked good, it smelled good, so I would try it. What was the most daring thing that you tried when you were in Vietnam? Um, Let's see. Some I don't even know what the name would be. Um, to me, it looked kind of like a chicken uh, faga, uh -huh. but it had um, all of the parts in there. Uh -huh. um, so some sort of a noodle soup and um, quail eggs, which I mean you can find in source here and at um, the Vietnamese Lunar New Year at New Orleans East. But I had never really seen them before. The, un the partially fertilized ones. Those ones that you can still see, they look like birds? Is that what you're talking about? No. Okay, okay. These are just um, 
more like hard-boiled eggs, mm-hmm. um, smaller, but they would sell them almost like in Ziploc bags, like in bulk. Mm-hmm. And so we would just find them um, and just buy them as a snack and just walk around eating those. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like tapioca-type desserts with coconut shavings on them and things like that. Um, well, when you were in the West Bank going to work there, were your colleagues, I mean, were you a lone ranger in this department? Um. There was another girl that I worked with whose boyfriend had spent time in Vietnam. And so she um, she knew a little bit about Vietnamese food. And she was actually the person that I was with who was like, oh, you have to try this pho. You know, it's very, uh, it's a good introduction into Vietnamese food. And so I was with her when I first tried it. And we also had a Vietnamese intern. Um, and so we would go to some of these restaurants and just try, like split a few different dishes and hmm. um, go from there. At the time, you were a journalist. I was working working for um, Pelican Publishing. Okay. And um, it's a book publishing company. Uh But I was also freelancing, um, freelance writing at the time for different local magazines. Um, I wrote an article for Where You At about Vietnamese food a few years ago. And before you started trying Vietnamese food, what kind of things were you writing about? Were you a food writer? No, I was not a food writer. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a food writer at this point. Um, you would or would not? Would not. Oh, okay. Um, to me, the book, Vietnamese Cuisine in New Orleans, and the film is um, more about the Vietnamese, how the Vietnamese community in New Orleans East um, came to be, a little bit about their cultural traditions. Um, with in the food, West, kind you of, were fair. That's you right. You um, good chunks mm-hmm. of the community in the West Thank as well. Thank you. <laughs> um, food, to me, was sort of like the underlying underlying theme Um and of course the the dominant theme um but when it comes down to breaking down the food and a technical aspect um i do that a little bit but i try not to get too involved with it Mm -hmm. um because it's sort of like an introduction it to vietnamese cuisine for people who may not be as familiar with it as others but also for foodies um some of the recipes are more advanced than others um I talk about dishes that people may not be as inclined to order, you know, instead of like a pho or a bombing. And so it's a mixture of both. Recently, in on this side of the Industrial Canal and this side of the river, there's been a lot of interest and influx of Vietnamese restaurants. Um, I would say the vast majority are very much geared for non Vietnamese uh, or people not of Vietnamese descent and I have been a little bit surprised in general because you know as a Vietnamese American we grow up thinking our life is boring to everyone else what do you think uh, has caused a, a kind of a newfound interest in Vietnamese cuisine I mean Vietnamese immigrants have been living in New Orleans since the 70s and you wrote a book about this community and this eating tradition. Where do you think that curiosity comes from? I think it's a combination of things. Um, even before I produced a film and wrote the book, people were writing about it. And I think it was that there was a growing awareness of these Vietnamese restaurants um, on the West Bank of New Orleans East and also in Kenner. Um, some of the people I interviewed, like Ian McNulty, who um, writes for The Advocate and wrote for The Gambit at one time, um, and the guys from Black and Doubt Media, they had been writing about Vietnamese cuisine for a little while. Um, and so 
um, I think people were familiar with it or becoming familiar with it, but not maybe, um, you know, in a rush to go out to New Orleans East and try something. So when they started opening these restaurants um, in areas in uptown and in mid-city, then I think um, the momentum began building. But also, um, there's that healthy aspect, um, the pho and the fresh summer rolls and some other dishes um, that I think is appealing to people, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of the way sushi rolls are. Mm -hmm. I liked your anecdote of taking, um, kind of being the lead amongst your family and friends in Vietnamese cuisine, and it sounds like your family is very much a traditional New Orleans family, and there being a lot of curiosity and... Uh, I think at one point, either a friend or relative said, the spring roll, do you, now do you take the skin off? Is it edible? Can you eat it? Yeah, uh, that was my grandma. She um, <laughs> She's in her late 80s, and I think she has lived so much these past few years. Um, she went out to a Vietnamese um, tech festival um, a couple of weeks ago, and she's amazed by the dragons and trying these different foods. But... Um, Working on the film in the book, I started making some basic dishes and started with fresh summer rolls. And so um, she, I was at my parents' house and she was there while I was making them and she didn't know if she was supposed to unwrap the rice paper again and <laughs> pull the ingredients out. And it's like, no, it's edible. You eat it all together. <laughs> and my brother, who um, is very much, you know, just, you know, red beans and rice and that kind of thing, crawfish etouffee kind of guy. He's like, it seems really green and, you know, whatever. <laughs> but everyone ends up eating it and likes it. So it's like, just give it a try. I liked in your book the way you described Vietnamese food as uh, Creole food as well, and a mix of cultures. Uh, explore a little more what you were thinking with that theory. Um, I think much of what I was referring to is maybe some of the French influences and also Chinese influence um, with the noodle culture. But um, at least in New Orleans and what I saw in the southern part of Vietnam was a very strong French influence with the baking. Um and some of those baking traditions that maybe weren't there before. Um, but also with the pho, some people say maybe it was derived from pot of pho, which is a French dish. Oh, interesting. I never thought of that. To where, you know, you just throw in a bunch of fresh produce and meat into the pot and you boil it all together over a long period of time. Um, add some bread loaves in there and dip it into the sauce. Um and especially in New Orleans, you know, with some of these new restaurants that are opening. Um, Mofo, for example, is kind of like a New Orleans Vietnamese food fusion type place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually interviewed the guy last night, and um, it's sort of a mix of both cuisines. And so... I'm nervous. I'm nervous at that thought, to be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, I definitely think that there are overlaps, like the Vietnamese sandwich that here is referred to as the Vietnamese po' boy, mm-hmm. um, or the use of seafood and crawfish. And I don't know if I can picture, like, what I think of New Orleans food as, like, heavy sauces with Vietnamese food. It's a hard it's hard for my brain to wrap around. Yeah, I, I agree in ways. Um, I, I mean, I think that's true. Um, I don't think it applies to certain dishes. Um, the New Orleans dishes like the etouffee or things like that where you have thick sauces. Um, I mean, I don't really see similarities between 
mm-hmm. those types of foods of Vietnamese cuisine. Um, the Vietnamese po boy or the banh mi, um, I think a lot of the similarities are with the bread and then also the way that the sandwich is dressed. Um, the pate, for sure. Mm-hmm. Is a French the charcuterie. Influence. Right. And I think it's funny, in, gen- I mean, in fact, carrots were introduced to Vietnam through, I think, maybe the Spanish, either the French or the Spanish um, trades in the, when it was part of the trade route, and cilantro as well. And it's such a staple. And the French bread is such a staple of Vietnamese food. Mm-hmm. And there are places in Vietnam where people don't even realize that that bread comes from France, you know, because <laughs> it's so much recognized right. as part of Vietnamese cuisine. Or the coffee with the condensed milk. Or uh, there was actually even a more recent um, story about the making of that movie Endoshin with Catherine Deneuve. It was made in the seen it. maybe the nineties, and she lived there um, for t- to make the movie. It was made in the north, and she was uh, really into yogurt, and that's really not a part of Vietnamese cuisine. So she had somebody um, teach uh, someone in Hanoi how to make yogurt. And so now it's like, it was, when I lived there, you know, I think 15 years after she made the movie, it was ubiquitous mm-hmm. in Hanoi to be able huh. to get fresh made yogurt. And it was really good because there weren't any preservatives in it because it was, refrigeration wasn't super common. Right. And yeah, as recently as the 90s, you know, and there's items still brought to Vietnam and then made into something local. Huh. I know. Funny, isn't it? That's interesting. Uh, I want to hear a bit more about uh, your special treatment of pho in the book. I think it's great. But first, I'd like to go to our segment, Vietiquette, where we explore the quirks and charm of culture and etiquette, both here in Vietnamese New Orleans and Vietnam. I asked you to share some things that you thought are kind of funny or interesting um, that you've noticed in Vietnamese culture, and you had two that really resonated with me. Um, one was taking off of shoes. When did you first encounter that? Here or in in Vietnam? In Vietnam, um, the moment I got there, um, we were staying. It wasn't technically a hotel. It was called a guest house, which means it's owned by the family and they're um, always there. And you have a little room. Um, it's nicer than like a hostel would be, but even um, maybe like a B and B or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, most of the people that stay there are going to be. Um, westerners but you still are expected to take off your shoes at the door and i love that tradition and um you go up to your room and you come back down and they're still there and it's just after a while you get used to it and it's just sort of um you know it's you don't even give a thought to it you know when you go somewhere you just automatically take your shoes off um and working on the book with a couple of families here um, it was the same tradition, going to their house and taking the shoes off and leaving them at the front door. But by then you were a pro. So. Oh, of course. You know. <laughs> but I loved how they, um, you know, people have kept those traditions intact. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And this I have not, uh, I have, I'm not aware of. I haven't lived in Vietnam in 15 or so years. But, uh, and, and I was living there not at a time where things like red wine were really uh, common there. But apparently, nowadays, it sounds like the people in Vietnam chill their red wine. Yeah, it may have been a fluke, but the first time I saw it, I was in Dalat. Mm-hmm. And um, they, uh, Dalat is actually 
and maybe I'm wrong, but they're known for their their red wine or the special type of red wine that they have. It's almost like a strawberry. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That they make there. There's a vineyard in Dalat now. Um, I don't know if it's a vineyard. I didn't see it, uh-huh. but when we're there, that's what we're told. It's like the referred to as the Paris of Vietnam. Huh. Um, they had a mini Eiffel Tower and everything. <laughs> Things um, have changed. And we went to a restaurant, <laughs> ordered red wine, and it was chilled. And I figured maybe, I mean, Dalat's not that hot of a city. Uh-huh. And so I thought maybe it's a type of wine or something. And so we went to the coastal city, um, Wiené, and for whatever reason, ordered wine. I don't know why. Because <laughs> we had, had seafood, so it's an odd choice. But it came to us in a bucket of ice. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess that's just... um Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so... It was tasty, though. No, it did. Interesting. Uh, I loved the section that in the, the, you know, respect that you give Fa in your book. And I particularly smiled when some of the interviewees were discussing how it is, in fact, a cure-all for the hangover. <laughs> yes. Um, that's what I've been told. And for um, a cold, I know that I've had... You know, some late nights and the next day a bowl of pho just seems like such a good meal. Um, I think a lot of it's just because, to me, it, it it almost reminds me of like having chicken soup when I'm little, when I'm sick. It's just a comfort type food, but um, it's not greasy, it's not too heavy, so it's um, it's something fresh. And I think those flavors, those bright flavors, kind of um, I don't know. Uh, are invigorating I guess in a way Mm -hmm. um and it's filling but it's not like um you don't feel like you ate too much at the same time yes so and there's salts so if you're dehydrated then it it rejuvenates you and there's salts in it too that's right I've also heard that (laughs) (laughs) and it sounds like it was your first kind of introduction and it was your gateway food yes the first meal I had was a bowl of pho and um I Arrived in Vietnam late in at night. Here or in Vietnam? In Vietnam. Oh, okay. Arrived late at night and I went straight to the hotel. Um, my friends were still out and so I went to the hotel and went to sleep. And um, we woke up that morning, the next morning, and it was early because we went to get a you know an early start on things and go, you know, do whatever it was that we were doing. And so um, since they had been there a couple of days, they kind of knew, you know, some of the places to go to eat and that kind of thing. And... Um, it was this little pho shop just right outside of the guest house. And it wasn't just that shop, but it was just all throughout the alley. They had these little pho shops and there's people eating pho at seven in the morning. And to me, it seemed kind of like an odd choice to have soup for breakfast. Um, but we had our pho with Cafe Suida and it was awesome. <laughs> and I was still really early and I was still kind of new to the chopsticks with the pho. And so I'm making a mess. It's like <laughs> splashing everywhere. And I was like, my gosh, why haven't I done this before? I mean, this is a great idea. But <laughs> Something warm to get your body started. I think yeah. There's some carbs in there. And so it kind of gives you some energy, I guess. Mm-hmm. But. And you have, uh, it sounds like a future cookbook in the works. Is that, is that? It is, um, it's being discussed with a publishing company and then also with um, Anthony Tran at Mary Queen of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, it was through um, Mr. Tran that some of the, that signing books at TED Festival happened. You know, I contacted him um, a few weeks before the festival and we met and um, formed a friendship. I mean, he's just so nice and um, 
we I sold most of the books there and so we talked about maybe doing another project and um thought about maybe a cookbook because the only thing that um I wanted to change about this book was that there wasn't enough recipes. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a short time frame to put all this together and getting some of those recipes is difficult because they've been passed down from generation to generation. My hope was to make this book in both Vietnamese and in English. Um, You know, have someone translate the recipes because I wanted wanted it to also be for the Vietnamese community. Um, Mr. Tran said that they're trying to build a park across from Mary Queen of Vietnam. And so I was hoping that maybe um, this could be sort of like a fundraiser, you know, part of the proceeds can be a donation to the park. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would strictly be a cookbook um, with Vietnamese recipes from the community. Um, and then the other project that is related to this topic is I'm making updates to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the film has gotten a really good response, but since it came out, so much has already changed. Um, a couple of restaurants have closed and Gosh, like 10 have opened. Uh Uh And so um, I was hoping to maybe add some of those newer restaurants in there and um, put a new spin on it. Um, Great. And do you have any links that you want to share with our listeners where they can check out your stuff? Sure. Um, My website is called littlepepperproductions.com. And um, I'm on Twitter, La Little Pepper. And um, that's about it. But most of my work, at least the work that was posted online, is available on my website. Um, some publications are only in print format. But um, I try to be good about posting, you know, upcoming projects and things like that. So, Great. Well, thank you so much for coming down. Thank you. That's Vietnam for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, and whatever you're doing. And a special thanks to today's guest, Suzanne Fetherly. Our show is produced by Kim Vu, Tom Lasher, and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our theme song was composed by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sounding products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Air Studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us on Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our po- podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website, itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today in the lovely city of New Orleans. If you'd like to be a guest on Vietnola, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line. You'll find all the information you need on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For everyone here at Vietnola, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you back here next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm Kim Vu. Bye-bye.
summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822-828 and online 822-824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.